There is no way any single hotel group can match the vast number of properties that Airbnb lists, and moreover, they will never be able to sustain the carrying costs that Airbnb avoids simply because Airbnb doesn't own any property. Welcome to another episode of the Superstar Superhost Podcast. Today, we're talking about all the press surrounding Airbnb and its ability to survive what's happening with COVID-19 and the travel and lodging industry. A good friend of mine who is deeply entrenched in the real estate world as a licensed agent spends a good bit of his time consuming information about the real estate industry, and every now and again, he sends me an article or video about the Airbnb short-term rental space. He recently sent me a video titled, Can Airbnb Survive? produced by CNBC. I found the video to be interesting and thought-provoking, but I realized that my opinions on the piece are vastly different from my side as a host than they would have been if I were just a guest. I have so many thoughts about the details laid out in the video, so in this episode, the video will actually be my co-host as I play snippets of it and respond accordingly. Let's get started. Airbnb defined an entire subgenre of the travel industry as it gained popularity, the short-term rental. It's like Kleenex, you know? Kleenex isn't Kleenex, it's tissue. And Airbnbs aren't Airbnbs, they're short-term rentals. Airbnb doesn't have a viable competitor, at least, uh, you know, in, in the United States and in many other markets. Okay, I played that part of the video to shed light on just how big of a company Airbnb really is. The platform lists over 7 million places to stay and reported profits for 2017 and 2018 with a pre-COVID valuation of $35 billion. They also have made some major acquisitions, including the hotel booking site Hotel Tonight and Urban Door, which is like Airbnb, but focuses on longer staying business customers. They plan to go public in early 2020, as we all know, but of course, COVID-19 dashed those dreams. So the point here is that Airbnb currently is a tremendous company. And anytime you have these types of huge businesses that completely disrupt the normalized standard industry, it's bound to be affected negatively or positively in extreme ways. Which leads us to the next snippet, which talks about some of the heat that has been brought down against Airbnb unfairly, in my opinion. Though it quickly became a market leader, it does not have an untarnished record. The platform has been criticized for driving up rent prices and contributing to housing shortages in major cities. It has also been criticized for racial discrimination, illegal listings, hosts using spy cams, troublesome, sometimes deadly house parties, and unnecessary fees. So as I said regarding the last snippet in terms of large companies being easy targets, this is a prime example of what I meant by that. The negative press that Airbnb has received in the past, such as racism between hosts and guests, deaths within Airbnb properties, illegal bookings, etc., etc., none of those are the fault of Airbnb itself. Those are actual hosts who made poor decisions, or actual guests and or friends of guests who made poor decisions while listing or staying in a home on the Airbnb platform. Airbnb as a company is constantly highlighting their rules of engagement for hosts and guests. They are always adjusting and readjusting their protocols to prevent or respond to negative or discriminatory actions by hosts or guests. But there's only so much they can control when the real transactions are happening at the host and guest level. 
And as the video states, Airbnb doesn't have a true competitor outside of the hotel industry. There is no way any single hotel group can match the vast number of properties that Airbnb lists. And moreover, they will never be able to sustain the carrying costs that Airbnb avoids simply because Airbnb doesn't own any property. This causes a tremendous burden on hotels. And as an industry, they would rather Airbnb simply not exist. It's no wonder that any possible negative press that can be attached to Airbnb would be used in an effort to keep them from continuing to grow. Even though Airbnb is an entity within itself, there is still someone at the helm and his name is Brian Chesky. And I would say most of the recent backlash has been directed toward him more than the actual company. But listen to this part of the video about how he chose to handle the COVID-19 situation as it affects hosts and guests. On March 14th, 2020, Airbnb announced an extenuating circumstances policy that suspended the cancellation policy set by Airbnb hosts. If a guest booked a trip on or before March 14th, with check-in dates between March 14th and April 14th, that guest was allowed to cancel eligible trips without penalty. The policy was extended to allow guests with reservations up until May 31st and then again to June 15th to be eligible for either an Airbnb credit or the more selective option, a full cash refund. This was a blow for hosts, some of whom would lose thousands from the new policy. Cancellations are a detriment to the host's bottom line. That's why on Airbnb's platform, the hosts choose the cancellation policy they are comfortable with. They made a policy change that overrode every single partner's uh, cancellation policies. Well, I completely agree that Brian Chesky completely fumbled the handling of the COVID fallout. He did not feel out the host opinions on refunds. We literally woke up to an email basically saying, you're screwed. Give back all the money you've accumulated over the next two months and best of luck. It was a horrible decision. I cannot in any way defend how he managed the crisis. He actually caused a series of mini crises all around the world for hosts and in many cases guests because of his extenuating circumstances policy. In fact, one of my mentors who played a significant part in how I learned about the short-term rental business in the first place recently shared his prediction that Brian Chesky may very possibly step down as CEO, kind of as a PR move and pacifier for curtain hosts and potential hosts. I don't know if I would go that far, but anything is certainly possible at this point. In terms of the exorbitant losses suffered by hosts due to the extenuating circumstances policy, coupled with the travel restrictions imposed by state and federal governments, I do want to differentiate between the two main categories of hosts that exist on Airbnb. In one category, you have your private owner hosts. These are people like myself at Lux House and Home. We outright own the properties. We have total jurisdiction over what we want to do with them. We only have two with potential for growth to four or five, but nothing more. We will always be considered a small short-term rental business, and we're totally fine with that. Then you have the other category, which is kind of split into two subgroups, mass owners and arbitragers. Mass owners, which is a name I totally just coined myself, are hosts who own multiple properties, but over five or more, and they are all listed on Airbnb as short-term rentals. On the surface, 
this seems fine and it can be extremely lucrative until, of course, something drastic like COVID-19 happens. Arbitragers sign leases with landlords to take on the obligation of paying the rent for the unit. Then they list the unit on Airbnb for more money per night versus per month, and they pocket the profits. This method of short-term renting relies on leasing a high volume of units and can be very lucrative unless, of course, something like COVID-19 happens. With cancellations happening left and right, these arbitragers are now on the hook for several months of rent payments that they may not be able to pay. So by now, you've probably figured out where I'm going with this. Much of the press around Airbnb and whether or not it will survive as a company is centered around the colossal number of cancellations made by the guests for months into the future. If you listen to my last episode, you learned that we are not having that problem. We, as in Lux House and Home. This is due to a lot of reasons, but mainly it's because we fall into the first category of private owner hosts who have less than five properties. Our costs are low. Our expenses are low. We have not been overzealous in our short, short-term rental game. And so now we're not experiencing drastic losses. Instead, we're actually booking more than predicted. The people who are really suffering, the ones who are likely going to need to declare bankruptcy, are those who are over leveraged and unable to support the losses now that cash flow has come to a screeching halt. It's unfortunate, it's problematic, but it's also a wake-up call to those groups who saturated Airbnb with listings that will now likely disappear. Do not bite off more than you can chew in the short-term rental business. Diversify with some short-term and some long-term rentals. Throwing all your eggs in the Airbnb basket is never a good idea, even when they eventually bounce back from this period of struggle. This podcast is brought to you by Lux House and Home, a short-term rental business specializing in luxury spaces and amenities. Find our amazing five-star listings on Airbnb using the link in the show notes and follow our socials at Lux House and Home. Subscribers to this podcast receive special discounts on future bookings. Lux House and Home, follow the journey. Okay, we're back. There's another part of the video that attempts to blame the hosts for not knowing better and for having other options, but not considering those other options. I really have an opinion about this one because there is an entire piece of necessary information that was completely avoided during the snippet. Here it goes. Over hosts has tainted some relationships. They had options. They could have put their listings on Airbnb, on VRBO, on booking.com, built their own websites, put them on Craigslist. You know, they had options, but they were going nice and steady and exclusive with Airbnb. And that decision on March 14th just completely broke the trust for a lot of these hosts. Okay, so first of all, the message here is that Airbnb should have been more empathetic toward hosts because we had options to list with so many other platforms, yet we chose them. But did we? Let me break down my experience with these other platforms. We'll start with VRBO, which is vacation rental by owner. VRBO is quite viable and really the only closest competitor to Airbnb, in my opinion. However, their website and hosting app are quite antiquated. They often override host explicit listing rules, such as I set my minimum nights to two nights, and yet I'm getting bookings for people to stay only one night. Just completely overrode that. And they pay out 
every 30 days as compared to Airbnb payouts of less than a week. Another issue with them is that they are very vacation rental specific, hence the name VRBO. So the homes are near beaches, the homes that are near beaches and lakes and major tourist attractions like Disneyland or winning sports teams and arenas, they do quite well on VRBO, unlike homes like ours, which are just nice homes in a really nice neighborhood. We don't attract adventure seekers or vacation-oriented travelers. We listed with VRBO for several months, and I got one booking from it, and that was due to a special circumstance. We got a few inquiries, but most of them were actually scam artists. So after dealing with all of this on top of a not-so-user-friendly hosting site, I finally just removed us from VRBO altogether. It just wasn't worth it for us, and I'd imagine that many other similar hosts that have the similar types of properties we have feel the same way. As for Booking.com and Expedia, which owns Travelocity, they don't allow you to vet the guests before they book. They run and operate very similar to if you were booking a hotel. And as you know, if you book a hotel, you have your typical cancellation policies three days before, 24 hours before. But for the most part, a hotel is not going to tell you that they are not comfortable with your booking and they can't accept you in their hotel. They just don't do that. And so Booking.com and Travelocity and Expedia, they operate the same way. You're not allowed to cancel on a guest ever. One cancellation and they kick you off the platform. And that could have changed by now. It's been a few months since I last checked that. But once you're not able to vet your guests, there's enough said about that. Too much investment of time and money goes into our homes to not be able to avoid bookings that we may not be comfortable with. So no thanks. And I think the video also mentioned Craigslist. I don't, I don't even need to cover that. The point is that yes, there are many other platforms to list your short-term rental and they should be explored, but you have to be very comfortable with a lot of hotel level rules to stomach it. Airbnb provides a lot of freedom for the host to set their level of comfort in terms of who books the home. I don't see the other platforms as real choices, not to mention the number of eyeballs on Airbnb's search engine versus these other sites, the two are just unparalleled. Setting up our own private website is a good idea and we actually do have one, but let's face it, it would take years to build up the millions of customers that Airbnb already has. I, for one, appreciate the platform for even existing. And I strongly believe that when push comes to shove and this shock of COVID-19 wears off, most hosts will agree with me on that point, but I slightly digress. So getting back to the topic to answer the question of the title of the video, yes, Airbnb can and will survive and thrive. Brian Chesky has already started trying to do some damage control beginning with his apology. Let's have a listen. The CEO, Brian Chesky, faced backlash over the extenuating circumstances policy. Brian Chesky is seen as an innovator, but also somewhat of an operator. He will be truly challenged over the next year to navigate Airbnb's way through this crisis. He later apologized for making that decision without the host community. I wanted to say this to you right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we didn't consult you as partners. And I've heard from you ever since that decision. And what I've heard is that, you know, you want us to treat you truly like partners. Okay, so he's now referring to hosts as partners, which may just be PR speak, 
But at least he is using the right language. And I think that this crisis has taught him that hosts are just as important as the guests, being that we're the very reason the platform has assets to list in the first place. In terms of battling the financial crisis, he has secured two rounds of funding to help turn the ship around, as the video says here. In early April 2020, Airbnb raised $1 billion in funding from investors Silver Lake and Sixth Street Partners. But that wasn't enough. The company raised another $1 billion in debt from Fidelity, T. Rowe Price, BlackRock, Apollo, and Oak Tree just a week later. It is getting hit hard by the global pandemic, and it needs to put more cash on its balance sheet in case this goes on for longer and longer. So it did go to the market twice. But when you look at the types of investors that have gotten into Airbnb, that is a vote of confidence. It's some of the biggest hedge funds, private equity funds, and institutional investors in the world. In better news for the company, some say Airbnb is in a better position than other businesses in the travel industry, especially hotels. Because the hotel company still has to pay rent. They still have to pay the real estate taxes. They still have to pay the labor. They have to keep the facilities maintained and cleaned. The bottom line is that Airbnb is a unicorn disruptor unmatched by another similar company. It is a proven success business model with its own wear and tear, of course, but people are used to using the platform and people want to continue to use the platform. Airbnb is not dead by any means. It took over a decade for them to reach this level. And unless there's something I don't know, they are very well positioned to get past this and come back healthier and stronger than before. I'm also excited to see how hosts like ourselves reap the benefits of a higher demand and lowered supply due to the fact that so many arbitragers and mass owners will now be removed from the platform. What are your thoughts? If you're a host, which category do you fall under and how have you fared? Comment below or email me. I really want to know. In the meantime, I'm going to end this episode and every future episode with a review from our guests who have experienced our luxury homes. You can, of course, read all of our reviews at the link listed in the show notes. But this one is from Deandra. Quote, Lola was beyond amazing. The home was so beautiful and clean and really exceeded my expectations. Lola was super quick with responses and I informed her that it was my birthday and she left an extremely thoughtful gift for me. 10 out of 10, I would recommend booking with her. Ah, thanks, Deandra. We always love to hear that. I am happy to share specifics and more detail about how I maintain superstar superhost status if you want. Shoot me an email found in the show notes and I'll get it to you. In the meantime, please subscribe and share this podcast with everyone you know and leave me a five-star review. Thank you for listening and for following the journey with Lux House and Home. Till next time.